You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. All right, welcome to another episode of the DIY Recording Guys podcast. I'm Vadim from Calm Frog Recording. And I'm Ben from DreamLoud Studio. Happy to be doing another podcast with you, Vadim. Yes, happy is a strong word. I just spent <laughs> half an hour troubleshooting all kinds of issues. Our, our podcast setup is becoming more and more complex, especially since we've integrated video. Yes. And every week there's some kind of issue, which is, I always say it's ironic, but it's, you know, this is, you have to really engage your troubleshooting skills. And you're yeah. like my customer here. You're waiting. <laughs> I'm always making you wait. as <laughs> I'm troubleshooting all these things. It's latency or it's playback engines or it's jumpers or something is always going on, man. I know. It's crazy. It's just the nature of doing video, high quality video and audio together is just difficult for computers. I don't understand it. Every week, I think this is the week I've solved it once and for all. And I will say, like, even with my, even with running sessions, I do have yeah. like Word documents that <laughs> have step by step, like, okay, if you're going to do this next time, step one, do this. Step two, do this. And I do reference those things from time to time because yeah. every time you figure something out, for me, I feel like I'm, I'm like, that's it. I got it. Never again. But then two yeah. months later, I'm like, what was it? Did I have to plug this into here or the, or the other way? You know, you can never yeah. remember for some reason. I find the same thing. Like I've got a, an intern in my studio um, this summer and I'm almost amazing myself with the amount of knowledge that I've acquired from doing all this problem solving because he'll ask, hey, how do we set this thing up? And then, I, oh yeah, you forgot to do this and you have to do this thing. And if you put enough time uh, and effort into anything like we're doing with our studios then you just you pick up these things along the along the journey yes you do it's like those old tv sets from the 60s where you had to just <laughs> boom you had to hit it just in the right spot to get it to work and only yep. your grandpa could do it yep so we're <laughs> See, just we're just that's chugging it. along you're here the grandpa you're the 1960s grandpa of the studio congratulations yep. yeah Go let's ahead, talk about uh, what we're doing yeah, so today we're going to be, um, I messaged Vadim earlier and I was like, I don't think we've done an in-depth episode on acoustic guitar recording, which I mean, that's one of the first instruments I started with and we're the DIY Recording Guys podcast, so I feel like we should do an episode on acoustic guitar recording. We've had on singer-songwriters, but not talked about recording acoustic guitars. So yeah, we're going to yep. be talking about acoustic guitar in general today and you could take the principles that we talk about and apply them pretty much to any acoustic instrument but specifically talking about acoustic guitar recording i had a monster what i'll call a monster acoustic guitar recording session that i just did a couple weeks ago and so we'll be listening to some of those tracks talking about the mindset going into recording what i was trying to capture what I wound up capturing, and also some afterthoughts of how I think it went, what could have gone better the next time, and some advice for you guys that might be uh, just getting into acoustic guitar recording, or maybe you're novices and have never done it before. We're going to set you guys up, no matter what your skill level, to get the best acoustic guitar recordings that you possibly can. We're long overdue, very excited to get your thoughts on this, and I love looking at your files earlier today, really, I think you did a nice job of trying different things. I think I heard this concept from, probably from Graham Cochran first, where mm. you know he, he compared a microphone to a flashlight, uh, which we've used on this podcast as well. But the idea is that whatever you're pointing your microphone at is kind of like a flashlight. That's what you're illuminating. That's what you're capturing. But that's very difficult on something like an acoustic guitar because we're all used to hearing acoustic guitars from a couple of feet away. And what we're hearing is mm. everything. It's the totality of the instrument in the room. And so this concept of like pointing microphones at different parts on the guitar, what do those different parts sound like? What tonalities yeah. are they going to give you is not intuitive. And so I'm really glad you had these 
uh, different positions that we'll get to listen to. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm excited to jump into it. Cool. Let's do it. Where do you want to start? Let me give you some of the overview of what the session was. I'll talk about you know going into it, what my goals were, and then maybe we can start listening to some tracks. We'll dive sure. in real quick here. So this was um, an acoustic recording for a song that uh, my band Nafel has labeled "Tut," which stands for "Time Under Tension." It's a like a play on two different kinds of terms. Like you could think of "time under tension" as uh, a weightlifting term. It's a it's a type of um, methodology for weightlifting, and also hmm. you could think of it as maybe um, some patience building endurance type of uh, thing that you're going through in your personal life to build up mm. that mental toughness. So that's the idea behind it. Um, the song is still being produced, so I'm not going to show you guys what the song sounds like today. Um, it would be fun to maybe revisit it in the future because for how kind of pretty the acoustic guitar sounds, this song is actually a monster progressive rock um very nice. scrappy sounding song and then there's this beautiful acoustic guitar in it as well so um the goal was to capture a very warm beautiful natural acoustic guitar tone um and going into it the guys had asked me if i would be willing to do it at my studio and i said of course yeah i'd love to and i had four goals going into this acoustic guitar recording session and that involved putting as many microphones on the acoustic as possible this is probably twice as many mics as i've ever put on an acoustic and my goal behind that was one um i was interested in finding out you know out of my mic locker what mics would i like the best on acoustic like i had an idea of what i would like but I wanted to really experiment and, and try some different things like we always encourage on the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, two, I was curious what microphone placements that I would like. And I figured since I have a lot of inputs on my interface, I can simultaneously capture a lot of different positions at once of the same performance and compare and contrast um, the mic positions to see you know, what works, what doesn't work, Number three, and maybe most importantly, I wanted to impress my bandmates with the sheer number of mics that I could put on. Uh, so there was a little bit of flexing going on with this session. But sure. Yeah. I mean, I knew that going into it, though. I knew that uh, I'm throwing all these mics on it. There's probably a high likelihood that some of these are throwaway mics that I'll never use. But if you have some the of them inputs, weren't even plugged in, right? <laughs> Just to, sheerly for eye yeah. candy. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's a power um, move. And, yeah. And they point then, out, they're like, hey, this one doesn't even have a cable coming out the back of it. And you're like, wireless, man. Everything's uh, wireless now. This is state of the art. <laughs> no, you just reminded me of something so sad. Do you remember when the Red Hot Chili Peppers played for the Super Bowl? Like, um, it was Bruno Mars's halftime performance. And then they I do remember. joined him on a was song. It, was the guitar not plugged in or something? None of their the guitar and bass weren't plugged in and people made a yeah. big deal about it. And they were like, their reasoning was so weird. They were like, it was all pre-recorded, and they didn't want to lie to the fans. So they just left them unplugged instead of pretending like it was live. I love it. You know what? And the thing about the red hot chili peppers is they don't have to convince anybody. Like they've done yeah. the live thing for so many years and they do it so well that like, yeah, yeah. Here we go. My instrument's not plugged in. I don't care. I, I'm all yeah, for it. That's I kind believe of a, it. That's kind of a, nir a Nirvana <laughs> Listen, move. They, they performed yeah. live with tube socks, nothing but tube <laughs> socks on before, right? So yeah, like, true. I'm not, uh, no shame. I wouldn't put anything past them. Very true. Very true. And then I, I think I kind of mentioned this in some of my other uh, reasons why I had so many mics on, but the last reason was I was curious if more mics were better than a few mics. You know, am I, is... Uh, is the sum greater or is the uh, whole greater than the sum of its parts or really mm. should you use just one or two mics? And, you know, I have some thoughts on that. Um, okay. Maybe we can 
dive into listening to some tracks here and you know feel free to interrupt me and and give me your feedback on anything that you're hearing or you know ask me any questions about the session all right where do you want to start let's start with um i want to let people hear what the uh what the final result was recording or the mix file not the mix one we'll save that for later i just want okay. the raw rec- the raw recording so describe this first this is what or do you so want this to play is, it first? This is a blend of all the microphones, all the techniques. I did wind up using all the mics and blending them to different you levels. You did? I did. Ooh, okay. So I kind of revealed, and may, maybe that wasn't the best decision, but you know, we could talk about that after the fact. Um, yeah. All right, so we'll play this, but then after this, maybe you can talk about Give us a breakdown again. I, yeah, you didn't you didn't describe yet what the mic positions were. So yeah, we can do that. I have all the individual tracks, so maybe we can talk about each one and and then play a, a small little sample clip of what each yeah, mic. Yeah, perfect. Like. So let's play the composite first. So this is just all of them blended and panned. Yes, got it. All right, here we go. get the idea yeah i will say maybe a couple notes and i'm curious to hear what you think about it um so one i probably would do some more takes of this performance if it was just meant to be a solo acoustic track but there's a a whole band playing in front of this so the fret buzz that you Mm. hear it just it kind of doesn't poke out at all so the performances were in time enough that we just kept the takes the way that they were if that makes sense yeah absolutely absolutely i mean there's there's definitely something to be said for in the the pre-production stage of planning a recording the context of the instrument that you're recording so you would treat a solo guitar that's naked and out there by itself maybe differently than you would treat a guitar that's going to be part of a dense mix. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's a totally valid decision. It sounds like you guys even knew that going in. Yes. Yeah. Um, There were brand new strings on the acoustic. The acoustic was called a Coobs, C-O-O-B. It's the, um, the guitar player who did the performance. His uncle has a guitar shop and that's his last name. Yeah, so it's oh, his cool. guitar. Beautiful instrument. I don't know what the wood is that it's made out of, but mm. it had kind of like a middle-of-the-road warmth to it and you know a decent amount of brightness off of the neck. Um, but it, it suited the song really well, and it's actually a pretty easy guitar to play. Well, actually, yeah, I mean, the, the, the guitar... Just the, uh, this is unmixed, so there's always work you have to do on acoustic guitars. I think, like, the the high end is definitely there for me, like the sound of the pick attack on the strings I thought was really nice. The The one thing that I think, and I know you, you ended up working this, is is that kind of low-mid buildup. We talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like something between, like, 100 and 220 hertz or something like that if i had to guess there's a lot of information there yeah uh so that yeah that's the only thing which which can happen and that's what the body of the guitar imparts in certain places and i'm excited to learn which ones yes so let's let's dive into that maybe i can uh break down what each mic was in placement and then we can play a sample from each and talk about yeah. it so i'll just go in order of this isn't in How many order. mics total did you say? There were seven mics. One I used as a duplicate because I had some tricky mid-side array going on. Oh, jeez. Another I love one. It. Let's get into it. 
Yeah, and then the last one was a DI that I blended in. Okay, right. Because it was an acoustic electric. So seven mics and a DI? Yes. Okay. So not in order of importance um, or volume, but in order of where I had the mics plugged into my interface. We'll go in that order. That's how I have them organized. (laughs) So the first one was, and this was actually, you know, credit to my intern, also named Ben, but not me, (laughs) other Ben. He suggested... Ben 2.0. Yeah, Ben 2.0. He suggested taking a small diaphragm condenser and putting it over the right shoulder uh, of the guitar player to have a player's perspective of the acoustic guitar. So this is a right-handed guitar player. Yes. And you've taken a small diaphragm condenser mic, put it over his right shoulder, and the mic is pointing where? Straight at the... Um, the edge of the guitar, like the far edge where the sound would be coming out of. So is it pointed, is it like perpendicular to the the thickness of the guitar, so to speak? Or is it more point angle towards like the, the top of the strings? It's pointed more towards the top of the strings. So we've got kind of like a 40 degree angle to the front of the guitar. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And I was very skeptical of this, but I wound up liking the sound of it a lot. So maybe we could play that real quick. Yeah, let's play it. So the fun thing about doing this is that this is probably even more than I've analyzed each individual microphone track, us listening to it on the podcast, because when I'm mixing and balancing the levels, I just pick really quickly what my favorite mics are, what are my second favorite, and I just kind of use the fader to kind of tier them as far as like how much I want them to be in the mix. And Mm. then after that, I never listen to the individual mics again. So this is fun to kind of listen back to everything. Interesting. Yeah. I um, When I do this type of thing, I tend to be over analytical. Um, and we can talk about our techniques for, for blending at the end. But I will say about this one that it really does sound like I'm playing the guitar, mm. which is very cool. Um, I, I could see this being very usable. As a raw tone, it does have a lot of that, I think, a lot of that frequency range that we heard kind of yeah. built up in the blended tracks. I Listening to this in solo, I'm like, okay, this is a lot of that, or some of that at least is coming from this track, no doubt. But it kind of makes sense because if you think about where that mic is from the player's head perspective, the sound hole and the strings are kind yeah. of emanating sound away yeah. And you're getting a lot of the body resonating, which is a deeper sound. So, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, in essence, you're shielding the string sound and all mm-hmm. that brightness away from the mic naturally. And one more thought about just the solo mic. It kind of gave me a very, like, Johnny Cash, like, folky uh, impression of the tone, which if you had a mic on the front, I don't think that you would think that about that acoustic, but because it's kind of rounding off all the brightness, it reminds me of something more vintage. So maybe that could be a Totally, very... yeah, that's a great, yeah, great sound for a vintage type record, yeah. Yeah, so I'm making mental notes myself for the future whenever I have to yeah, do something like too. that. <laughs> uh, the, okay, so the second microphone uh, are these pair of AKG P117s and they are small diaphragm pencil condenser mics. Uh, I use them a lot for overheads and just for spot placement on instruments. They do really well. I've used them on acoustic guitar recordings before. And this is kind of the typical placement that you would have for a two-mic acoustic or a two mic setup on an acoustic with them both 
angled at 90 degree angles from each other, one uh, or both of them about five inches away from the body of the guitar, one pointing towards the 12th fret uh, and another pointing towards the bridge. So you're capturing the, the low end and also more of the neck sound. Towards the bridge or towards where the, the neck meets the body? So the, the top one is where the neck meets the body, about the 12th fret. And then the bottom fret. one is, the bottom one I always have pointed more towards the bridge because I found this one problem. So this is, this is a tip for any of you people maybe listening that are just getting into acoustic guitar recording. Um, you want to be careful about where you put that microphone that is trying to capture the low end or the sound hole. You don't want that to be in front of your your picking hand because I've made the mistake of putting that microphone too close to my picking hand and then I heard this weird phasey sound after the fact. Like, what is going on with the phase? And it turns out that, you know, my hand is blocking the sound that's coming out of the sound hole where the mic's picking it up. So I always tend to kind of angle it back a little bit farther around the gotcha. bridge. And you said though the pair is about five inches? Yeah. From Okay, so it's a stereo, it's an XY pair. And um, okay, cool. Let's listen to that one. Oh wait, so, so these have to be There's played two. together because you have a neck and a bridge, so they should be. You want me to play them at this together? No, no, right? no. You can play them separately, and we could just hear. Okay, the difference yeah, we'll, in the tone. we'll listen to them. Um, I'll switch. You'll hear the switch. I'm sure it'll be obvious. Yeah, there's neck and yeah. bridge. So, so I'll start. Start with the one. Start with the neck one, and then we'll all switch to the bridge one halfway through. Okay. Interesting. It's kind of counterintuitive almost because when I when I think of what the bridge sounds like on an acoustic, I think of that as being a brighter part. And in this case, mm. it was the opposite because I guess the neck mic is so close to uh, that twelfth fret, what it's looking at, that you're getting a lot of string noise. Whereas yeah. the one that's pointed to the bridge. It actually sounds like it's picking up like more more body and less string uh, top end, right? Yeah, exactly. And so the idea is like you blend those two together and you get a more balanced acoustic guitar sound. And did you worry about phase at all? Like if I if we play them together right now and I just pan them a little bit, will that work? Mm-hmm. It will. Yeah, I did worry about phase, so I was very careful that they were both placed pretty close to the same distance away from uh the sound hole and the strings themselves yeah but they're looking at different that's interesting yeah but you so you check the phase though and it was it was okay yep check the phase let me try it i'm just gonna pan them apart a little and play them together for a bit see what they sound like oh yeah so i will also say like to me that that neck one sounded really balanced like Mm -hmm. almost like if so far of the ones we've heard if i had to pick one it would be that one. Like I, I found it, I, I thought it was like the most balanced acoustic guitar sound that we've, mm-hmm. we've heard out of the three so far. I agree with that. Cool. So I, I just panned I panned the uh, the neck one like thirty five percent to the right, and then I panned 
the bridge one about the same distance to the left, and then I pulled the the bridge one was a little overpowering, so I just pulled it mm. down to 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 taste. And this is actually similar to how I, I end up mixing acoustic guitars for certain things because you kind of hear that there maybe where the guitar is kind of not focused in one part of the stereo field. It's kind of like yeah. Can't tell really where it's coming from, but I kind of like that in acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it sounds yeah. cool. Yeah, I agree. I did very a very similar thing with the panning too. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. I guess we'll move on to the next one. Um. So this is another suggestion from intern Ben Ben two point <laughs> He ben suggested <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he suggested putting a small diaphragm condenser. This is a Audio Technica 2021, one of the first microphones I ever got. Um, we put that right off of the headstock to capture overtones and brightness from the acoustic. And honestly, I thought this seems like a pointless mic, but we've got inputs. Let's just try everything. So surprisingly, there is a decent amount of tone off of it, and it doesn't sound like garbage. So maybe we could play that. And I was very surprised. To... I've never done this, and I <laughs> did not know what to expect. I was really surprised as well. So yeah, let's listen to that. Cool. Much brighter than I would expect, right? Mm-hmm. That bridge mic from before, just for comparison. Yeah, I guess the summary is it doesn't sound terrible. And if you need more brightness out of an acoustic, you could do something like that. Totally, totally. That That's exactly what I'm thinking. It's got that, it's got brightness and almost no body. Yeah. And it's not quite as unnaturally bright or like crisply mm-hmm. bright as the DI, but it's not quite as body-ish as even like a guitar looking right at the bridge. Or a, a microphone looking right at the bridge would be. So I could definitely see some application in exactly what you said, which is I just want more brightness and no body buildup. Very yeah. cool. So so explain that again. It's it's how far from the headstock? Uh, I have in my notes about 10 inches away from the headstock. Just like perpendicular to it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Wow. I know. Wild. It's really amazing. It's like that, that whole guitar is vibrating. You know, you can even get that much yeah. tone off the headstock is really an amazing thing. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So the next one, this is where we get into some of the trickery here. <laughs> the okay. next one, I used a, a large diaphragm condenser. This is the Slate ML-1, the one, this microphone I've talked about a lot on the podcast. It's the first emulating mic that I ever bought. And it emulates a lot of like, famous very expensive large diaphragm condensers and my idea with this i always like to throw this mic into a session if possible because it's so flexible to give you a lot of different character and tones and um so i wanted to use this as kind of a i'm calling it a room mic although uh, I wasn't really trying to capture the tone of the room. I was just trying to get something with some distance off of the guitar. So I put this about five feet right in front of the acoustic guitar player. And I guess my goal with this partially is I want the whole tone of the guitar. I don't want to focus on one aspect of what the guitar sounds like or mm-hmm. one part of it. I want the whole performance together Yeah, you want what you're hearing if you're listening exactly. to that person play yeah exactly this is like we talked about a player's perspective with the first mic this is very much an audience perspective um not only that though but i also set this up uh with the next microphone we'll talk about to be in a mid-side array and this was acting as the 
mono room or the mid microphone. And it was going to be a mono room if the side technique didn't work. So always have a backup so, plan whenever you're uh, recording. So that was the kind of goal with this. So you're five feet and 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 where like uh, along we're, the body of the guitar. We're we're looking right at where, um, kind of right in between where the sound hole ends and the neck meets the body. So I'm kind of focused yep. right on that wood area. Yep. Okay. Cool. So we could take a listen to that. toggle the uh the neck mic from the small diaphragm okay. there because this one sounds very balanced also two different reactions my first was kind of underwhelmed because it doesn't sound amazing to me but after listening to it for a little bit it is very much the character of that acoustic guitar that's what that acoustic sounds like yeah there's a bit more room tone in it which is not bad and i actually i actually think it's probably even even more balanced than that neck mic that I thought was mm -hmm. the most balanced before. There is a bit more room in it. So again, this is really all these all of these configurations are really usable. I think this would be a really nice setup for like a singer-songwriter song. Yeah. It's really it's intimate. You're in the room listening to it. Well, like you said it's the listener's perspective. So yeah, really nice. Okay, so we'll move on to the other part of my tricky array here. <laughs> And so what I used for side was a CAD Tryon 3000, which is a ribbon mic that I picked up that has a figure eight pickup pattern to it. Mm. So I put this directly underneath, um, same distance away from the player, put this directly underneath the other Slate ML1 mic, but I'm facing the mic so that it's picking up, the figure eight pattern is facing sideways into the rooms. And the idea with this is that, you know, one side of that figure eight is much larger than the other. So after you do your recording and you're pasting everything together, you literally just copy and paste this track and then flip the phase. So you'll get kind of an artificial, you'll get your actual capture of the room on one side and then kind of an artificial uh, mirror image of the room on the other side and then just a little bit of canceling uh from the phase flip and so that way mm. you kind of get an artificially large uh panned space and so it, what you're it, getting yeah you're kind of mm -hmm. like when we talk about stereo this is why it's called a mid-side array you have one microphone that's you're effectively replicating what's going to be the middle of the stereo field coming out of your headphones and then yes. just the sides and exactly. so you have well, one mic that's handling mid, and then you have this other mic in a figure eight pattern, which is just the description of the polar pattern. It means like the parts of the eight are what it's picking up, and then the where the eights, uh, parts of the eight intersect is what it's kind of rejecting. So it's rejecting exactly. what the mid mic is picking up. It's capturing the sides, and then you're doing that phase trick to effectively even cancel more of the middle so you're just getting like the side so you should get like a really yep. wide sound if you just had that played right exactly and the cool thing about this technique is that then when you bring all your mics into your mix so you've got um your mid mic which we just talked about and then these duplicates of sides that are part panned hard right and left then you can play with the balance of how much mid versus how much side do you want of your array you can have a a sound that's very much only in uh very extreme like sides of your ears and nothing in the middle or you could have 
just a little bit of uh, stereo width and mostly just that mid mic up the middle. So it's a cool technique. Yeah, that's cool. Yes, you definitely get that kind of like nauseating feeling when, yeah, when, sounds when like you don't have wrong. a center channel. Yeah, I think that's your brain being like, <laughs> what's going on? Like there's no sound in the middle. It's like your brain can't fathom it. Like I actually get like a weird feeling in my stomach when I like flip the phase on like a stereo mix. So that's, yeah, it's an interesting effect. I get a feeling like my eyes just want to cross or something <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> but maybe we can play... So go ahead and play those two channels along with the mid channel, just to kind of show how you yeah, go from and the way that I, weird. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna start by playing the mid channel, and then I'm just gonna fade in the sides, and we'll just okay. see what it see what it does. I'll fade it in till you know. Again, we're listening to this through streaming, so it's a bit hard to do. But I'll try to fade it in till it sounds good, and then I'll fade it in a little bit more than that, so it's obvious. Okay. nice right there and that's minus 22 on the oh, sides wow. yeah it's minus 16 it's really nice mm. okay there's so that's minus weird. eight and there you could hear it's like too much now overpowering from the sides cool man i love yeah. that that sounds that sounds really nice actually i mm -hmm. didn't expect it i know i didn't either honestly like i i thought it was a long shot that it would actually work but um it's a cool way to turn a solo performance into more of a stereo sounding thing so the yeah. other way i would probably go the other way i would try to get stereo with typically with guitars is to have duplicate performances you know and then pan one performance hard left and one hard right, but this is a way of getting like a single performance to sound wider without doing like weird mixing tricks to like add stereo with. You're doing it with microphones. Yeah, really cool. Sounds nice. Fun. Okay, so we've got one more microphone and then the DI. So this was kind of a dud, <laughs> but I took the SM7B that I'm speaking through right now and I put that directly behind um, the body of the acoustic guitar. And the idea with this is to capture just the tone from the wood coming off of the guitar. But I thought it was too dull. I can't imagine a scenario where I would like want that to blend in. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. not unusable. I feel like it's it, anything is all of these are usable, but I, I wouldn't desire it. No, my biggest problem with it is that it actually doesn't sound too like overly bottom heavy, but there's some weird, nasty resonance frequencies that it's picking up really well. And it's not picking up any of the like, brighter sound of the strings or the sound hole or the warmth which you wouldn't expect kind of yeah and it also kind of sounds scooped which maybe is the nature of the mic i don't know but there's um there's not a lot of like yeah it's a lot of lows and there's yeah it's just a, it's just a wonky unnatural it kind of weird. sound I think, yeah maybe i should have used the condenser or small diaphragm all right i guess the last one is the di and i like well depending <laughs> i will say with the caveat of depending on the acoustic guitar um or the electric acoustic guitar in this case uh, depending on the quality of the pickups 
will I choose to capture the DI or not? Like for my Martin, the electronics are horrible. So I never capture a DI tone on that. I only ever do just mics because the DI tone is so crappy. But this one actually sounded pretty nice and you can blend that in to get like an added level of brightness to an acoustic. Yep. Yeah, I got to say, as far as DIs go, that's one of the better ones I think I've heard. For acoustic, um, yeah. They're usually, I find, <laughs> cringeworthy. And the only reason I would capture them is, like you said, to do like a big high-pass filter and just blend in a teaspoon for brightness. But this one sounds pretty good, actually. It does, yeah. Yeah, not too bad. So um, let's... How about we play real quick the recorded blend together and then halfway through you could switch to the mixed so we can kind of show what they all sounded like blended together and then you know where they went after mixing and then we can talk okay. about it. Awesome. Yeah, you did a good job. Um, cool. Thank you. Uh, I like, I mean, you obviously cleaned up that low mids problem, so that let like, let some air into the, the whole thing. And then you have a really nice, maybe a hall reverb. It's a really kind of clean, airy I think it might be a reverb. hall. Mm -hmm. Is it a hall? I think it might be, yeah. Yeah, it's got, I, I love that reverb sound on an acoustic guitar because it, again, it just imparts this spaciousness without like cluttering any frequencies without having any frequencies build up so that really added a nice element to it as well yeah it sounds good thank some you some compression yeah. on there too yeah yeah there's um uh i think on all the tracks together i had a waves cl3a i could see that working really well in the mix um for like if this was out in the open I feel like I could hear the com the the compressor working a little bit, mm -hmm. but it did sound very glued. So uh, yeah, for a mix, I could see that being like really. That was kind of really yeah. That's a really good point, and I hope that maybe we can revisit this after we release the final track because yeah, that, was kinda, that was kind of that was kind of the problem is that so blending the, this acoustic guitar into the rest of the music was pretty difficult because the music is super heavy, like it's there's not really a place for an acoustic so when there's a um there's like kind of a bridge in the middle where the acoustic starts and the acoustic is kind of at like a mid level and then when the drums and every and all the heavy guitars hit back in like the acoustic gets automated super quiet to where you basically can only hear like the very high end strum of the strings yeah and so it kind of has to be compressed a lot or else yeah. those hard strums, they jump out and it's super distracting because all of a sudden you hear an acoustic in your rock song. And yeah, that's, that, is a, that is a challenge. That's sure. a Yeah, thing. excited to, to hear the track. So, so give me some of your, your learnings here, your takeaways. If you were going to record an, an acoustic guitar again uh, this weekend, what yes. would you do and what wouldn't you do? I don't think that I would put seven microphones on an acoustic again it's just it's just too much overkill and i think that instead of going for quantity i would go for quality and choose probably two to three well-positioned mics 
Which ones, Ben? Which ones would you choose? <laughs> Good question. Um, I think my favorites. I, I guess were... it's application dependent, but let me throw some at you here. So yeah, go ahead. Let's say it's um, acoustic folk song. Well, with the folk, like I already said, I really like that over the shoulder view. Okay. Because it kind of naturally rounds rounds off things, and honestly, I like the um, the mono room mic or the mid side array. It was very cool. I really like that. And and I think that that could really work in an indie rock acoustic setting type thing. Yeah, I really like that one. I'm actually going to check if my large diaphragm condenser has a figure eight mode. Oh, cool. It might, it, it might have an omni mode. I don't know if it... Uh, I got to look into it, but I'd love to try that. Um, okay, what about a classical guitar piece? That's a good question. Um, I might go with, I might go with just two mics, one placed like the the two stereo pair that I had, but instead of angling the neck mic right where the body meets the neck, I might angle it up a little bit higher on the fretboard to get more string, and so there's a bigger there's a bigger difference between just low end and and high end. Mm. Interesting. Okay. I think that's what I would probably do with that. Anything different that you would do? I'm curious on what you thought. Well, I I, I do want to revisit what I try. So here here's my couple of notes that I've from from experience with working with acoustic mm. guitars. First of all, I'm an over analytical person. <laughs> you are an, an analytical person, but I wouldn't say you're over analytical because you trust your gut a lot more than I think I do. So I find Maybe. there's this parable. <laughs> Actually, this is, it's a social experiment that they did with selling jam. I think we might have talked about it before. But there's a guy on the street, and he's giving away free samples of jam. He's got raspberry jam and strawberry jam. And so they did this experiment where he's got three samples. And you could go up and you try a sample, and if you like it, you buy one. And then, you know, they made some amount of sales. And then they did the same experiment where the guy has samples, but he's got 20 samples. Mm. And they saw how, and they compared sales from those two, and they found that people were overwhelmed by too many samples, and they ended up not buying anything. Huh. And that's how I am <laughs> when I have too many microphones on a source. That's one problem. The second problem I've run into is you put all these guitars around an artist, and then all of a sudden they feel like they can't move. Like they well, can't so many shift. microphones. Yeah, so many microphones. Yeah, be, around it like works. without yeah. knocking into something. Like I've had that microphone behind the guitar, and you always forget about it. Then you have to get up and go to the bathroom, and yeah. it's like it's a nightmare, right? And you're like, no, 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 don't move so much when you play. Like, yeah, you got to sit still. So I've lately, the past couple of years, have been doing a two mic setup. I take a large diaphragm condenser, um, at kind of the twelfth fret about a foot away from the guitar, and then I rotate it just slightly so that it kind of goes into that part that you mentioned between the sound mm. hole and where the neck meets the body. That's one mic. And my second mic is a small diaphragm condenser on the other side, uh, kind of behind the bridge of the guitar and mm -hmm. turned a little bit to face the bridge, and that's where I get my brightness from. Oh, And I bring those up, and I just okay. pan them aside a little bit just like we did with your XY pair. And a little bit of room reverb, typically, and I get usually the sound that I want. Occasionally, I'll capture a DI if the DI doesn't sound like garbage, uh, just as a security blanket. But now I'm really interested in this mid-side technique, and I'm also really interested in doing my technique, but taking the small diaphragm and putting it up on the um, yeah. headstock. Yeah, Trying to get my brightness that way, so that might really yeah. work. Actually, the wheels are the wheels are spinning, but you do want to be mindful of um, these things, and also what else the microphone is capturing. I, I will just a couple of other things I've run into with acoustic guitar: people wearing belts or having mm. like coins in their pocket, and that'll inevitably get picked up. And I've also run into problems with picking up a lot of pe person's breathing if they're like a particularly heavy breather. You get a lot of that breath in the mic, which can sometimes be cool, but sometimes it can be super distracting. That You know what that reminds me of? I used to have this problem. Uh, being an electric bass player, I never realized it, but when I started playing acoustic, I realized 
I breathe with the music. And if there was a rest in my playing, I would breathe in. And sometimes if there's a mic in front of me, you you capture that rest on the guitar and then there's just this breath in randomly. Oh, and that's beautiful though. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful, but also embarrassing if you don't realize you do it and somebody points it out to you. <laughs> yeah, I've had a, dude, I, I've had, I've had people, I won't name names obviously, but I've had a person in here who was like smacking their lips in quiet parts and like <laughs> making mouth noises that I like, I was like, how am I going to edit this out? What am I going to do? It was, it was kind of tough. I even tried, I took like acoustic foam blocks that I have and -hmm. tried to like tape them to a mic stand and put them in between the person's like mouth, nose area. And I've I've tried all kinds of stuff, man. It's, um, it can really be tricky. Yeah. Well, it's good things to keep in mind. Um, any other thoughts? No, that's pretty much it, man. Thank you so much for sharing these with yeah. us and um, really wonderful recordings. And I think hopefully people get a taste of, oh, uh, this is the sound I'm going for. That's the technique I should try. I uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Thanks. It was my pleasure. And uh... reach out to us. Let us know what your favorite techniques are for recording acoustic guitars. Yes. Drop your comments or photos or sound samples in the Facebook group. Until next week, it's the DIY Recording Guys reminding you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. All right. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers, and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com, get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording, or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.